Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the night. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I am really glad that you're here. And I'm really glad to be here. Tonight, we have a special guest coming on, Darren Marlar. He's a professional voiceover artist, and he's going to be hosting a segment called Weird Darkness. You can find Weird Darkness and many, many other videos on his YouTube channel called Marlar House. Do me a favor and head over there, hit subscribe, and actually hit that little bell next to subscribe. It will automatically notify you when he has a new video up. I highly recommend you guys do this because he has a lot of great content on there. Every Tuesday and Saturday, he comes out with a new episode. These episodes are all nonfiction, true stories. Sometimes he mixes in some creepy pastas and things like that, but mostly they're all true stories that he narrates and puts in a very, very entertaining format. If you want any more information on Darren, you can find him at marlarhouse.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-R house.com. So yeah, check him out on YouTube and iTunes and Spreaker. You can find him everywhere. Check his stuff out, hit subscribe, and show some love, please. Now, before we get going on the segment with Darren Marlar, Weird Darkness, I want to tell you guys two things. The first thing I want to tell you about is iTunes. You guys did a fantastic job this week going to iTunes, rating and reviewing the show. I saw a number increase on that, and I just wanted to say thank you because anything you guys do outside of actually listening to the show as a fan base is above and beyond anything you actually have to do. 
And so I just wanted to say thank you for doing that. The second thing I actually wanted to talk to you guys about was actually later this month on April 29th, 2017, between 1 and 5 p.m., I'm going to be in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, doing my first live public speaking engagement at the Cannonsburg Library. I was invited to come speak by Doug Waller and the library themselves to talk about my Bigfoot group, Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research, and also my philosophies when it comes to Bigfoot. But that's not all we're going to be doing. We're actually going to be doing a live interview right there in front of the entire audience, the confessional style. We have a Bigfoot witness who saw a Bigfoot up close in northwestern Pennsylvania. We're going to have him there. We're going to interview him right there in front of everybody. We're going to take questions from the audience. It's going to be a great time. I highly recommend you guys come out and check it out. If you're in Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia, or within an hour's drive of this place, please come out, meet me, and just enjoy the program. Now let's get to Weird Darkness with Darren Marlar. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. Black-eyed kid stories seem to be growing exponentially. For some reason, they're being reported more and more in parking lots, even in the middle of the day. We begin in California with Ruth Lang's story. I was making my way home from college one afternoon, but had to stop off at the store to get some groceries. Everything was normal. It was a bright, sunny day in California. After paying for my groceries, I made my way back to my car and found a boy standing by my car. I didn't pay much attention, unlocked the driver's side door and got inside. I rested my groceries on the passenger seat and as I went to start the car, the boy turned and tapped on the window. Looking back, it was almost as though he was frozen. He literally spun around when I went to start the car. His tapping on the window was strange, too. It was almost in rhythm. I got out of the car and stood across from him. He lifted his head, and I could see his eyes. They were black just like other people have said. He looked to be about 12 years old, and he just stared at me. I felt absolutely terrified and got back into the car and tried to start the engine. I don't know if I could actually hear his voice or whether he communicated with me another way, but he wanted to get into the car. He wanted to go somewhere with me. I started the car, pulled out of the space, and headed for the exit. Even though he was just standing there, I could still hear him in my head. I know I felt sleepy. My eyelids were extremely heavy, and I couldn't stay awake. As soon as I got home, I went straight to bed, and I was late to work the following morning. I haven't seen the boy since, but that whole week still seems dreamlike to me. I saw a story about a black-eyed kid on Facebook a few weeks ago and wanted to share my story. I think my experience was a little different to others and would like to know if anyone else has suffered any long-term effect from being around these kids. Well, Ruth, I can tell you they have. In fact, Barry Walker of Indiana has a very similar story from when he was a child. Recently, I've been thinking about something that happened to me a few years ago. 
This was in the 1970s, when I was 10 or 11 years old. During summer break from school, I had gone with my mother to the mall. It was a normal day. We did some shopping, and then I went back to the car while my mother did some grocery shopping and got her hair cut. I was sitting in the car, listening to the radio, when I saw a boy my age walk down the sidewalk. He looked kind of familiar, and I just watched him. He must have noticed me because he turned and walked towards the car. He stood outside the car door, staring in at me. I stared back, and at the time I couldn't believe this, but his eyes were completely black. I also remember that the radio had been playing loud and clear until the boy had walked over to the car. Now all I could hear was interference and white noise. It was like the boy blotted out the radio signal. His eyes were completely black. For years, I told myself that I imagined that. But they were. He didn't move, flinch, or blink. He just stared until he spoke. Let me in, he said quietly. I said nothing, but kept staring at him. The car door was locked. I always locked the doors when I was in the car alone. The part of town we lived in was pretty rough, and you never knew who would try to steal the car. Let me in, he repeated. I forced myself to turn away from him and stared directly ahead. He said the same thing a few more times, and then I heard a bang on the window. I turned my head, and he was gone. My mother came back about ten minutes later, and I told her about it. She said that she believed me, but I don't think she did. I do think I came face to face with a demon. He wasn't wild, abusive, or seemingly dangerous. He just seemed to be playing a game. These creatures are extremely dangerous. I hate to think what might have happened had I opened the door and let it in. James Reed of Idaho had a similar experience with a bit of a twist. I have a black-eyed kids encounter to report. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were returning home after seeing a movie. As we stopped at an intersection, two children were walking down the sidewalk. It was still early, so there was nothing strange about kids still being around. I would guess they were around 11 or 12, but they stepped off the sidewalk and walked over to our car. The lights were still red. I thought they would just run across in front of us. Kids do some stupid stuff. One of them tapped on the driver's side window of the car. I started to feel afraid. I didn't know why I was afraid, but I was. This wasn't a carjacker or anything like that. These were young kids. What could they possibly do? Can we get in? One of them asked. We need to get in. I ignored them. Let us in, he said again. We have to get out of here. I turned to look at them and saw they had completely black eyes. These kids were dressed as you would expect modern kids to look. Jeans and sweaters. There was nothing strange about them until you saw their eyes. These eyes were black, 
almost as though they were wearing contact lenses. It's impossible to actually have eyes as black as those were. They kept tapping, and I tried to ignore them, waiting for the light to turn green. The light won't go green until you let us in, the other kid said. I turned, and I asked them what they wanted. A ride, he replied. I have no idea what was going on with my wife at this point. She says she has no memory of it. All I remember from this point forward is being on the other side of the intersection and driving. I don't know what happened to the kids. I have no idea if I jumped the lights. I can't have blacked out. I have no idea how I got from those red lights to driving down the highway on the other side. Has anyone else experienced anything like this? I've read all the accounts on your site and haven't seen any that deal with blackouts or lost time. Jerry's experience definitely is weird. What about you? Have you had any black-eyed kid experiences? Have any of them involved lost time or blacking out? Tell me your story at WeirdDarkness.com Well, I really hope you enjoyed that Weird Darkness segment with Darren Marlar. I certainly did. And you can find Darren on YouTube at Marlar House, or you can go to his website at MarlarHouse.com. But please let me know if you enjoyed that segment, because if many of you did, we can arrange to have Darren back in the future. The way you let me know is you go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section and email me that way, or you can email me directly at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Either way works for me. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Moving on to this week's interview, we're going to be sitting down with Chris, who has a lot of experiences in life, ranging from possible Bigfoot activity to his cousin actually seeing a Bigfoot in Northeast PA to seeing UFOs in a gray in his bedroom to actually having an outer body experience when he was younger. Chris has had a lot of experiences. I know you're going to enjoy his stories, so let's get to it. Okay, tonight I have a guest with me who has had several experiences in his, throughout his entire life. And uh, it goes anywhere from Bigfoot to UFO to outer body experiences. I mean, this guy has had a lot of experiences in his life, and I definitely wanted to bring him on the show. So, Chris, how are you? Good. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing good, man. I'm really excited to hear these stories. The email that you sent me a few weeks ago, I was just like drooling out of my mouth when I when I read those things. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is so it's so cool. And I'm really glad you kind of decided to come on the show and actually share it with the audience. Uh, this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Uh, let's start with the Bigfoot stuff. What kind of experiences have you had with Bigfoot? Sure. So I, you know, I, I can't say it was definitely Bigfoot. However, uh, after listening to a lot of other um, shows, a lot of the uh, experiences that we've had up there kind of point in that direction. After I started listening to them, um, where we where we vacation is a kind of a mountain house. Oh, it is a mountain house out in kind uh, of Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. Um, you go through a development first. Uh, it's a lake development, and then right at the very edge of the development is a uh, dirt road. We take the dirt road back about a mile and a half into the middle of the woods, um, and that's where our house is located. There's a few other houses back there, uh, but the majority of the time, it's usually just us that are up in that location. Uh, bordering 
the house about, I want to say a quarter mile up the road more is the state game lands. So, um, it's pretty desolate. Uh, I want to say like closest hospital is about 45 minutes away. Um, it's very quiet up there. That's what we enjoy. And, uh, the kids love it up there. We can do a lot, go fishing, go swimming. Um, when me and some of my friends are up there, we like to do target shooting, go out in this big, like stone quarry that's up there, do target shooting. And, um, back in, I guess the late or early 1900s, the place was known for, uh, mining, uh, ice and other minerals from that area. So there's a lot of caves, a lot of, uh, big cave systems. We actually went down to one of them one time that's connected to the quarry that we target shoot at. And it was more or less a beehive. We thought it was just one cave, but it was a beehive and it just goes down and down and down into these crazy caverns. So that's kind of where we were and, or where we are, excuse me. Um, well, I guess the first thing that happened was uh, there's a big river up there. Um, and every year they do a dam release. And my very good friend's brother is a uh, river guide up there for the, the way water rafting. The first experience that I, I had that I can probably say that I think it has something to do with Bigfoot was we were going down the river. And I was in a, I was in a raft with six people and we were about to hit rapids. And while, while the boat was moving slowly, um, I like to look at the scenery. I like to look all around and to my right, there was a hillside with, I had to be at a 60 degree angle off the river going up. So there was tons of trees. What caught my attention was about, I want to say 50 feet up this hillside. Um, there was a tree there and I w- you can only see the canopy of it. You couldn't see the trunk or anything like that. You could, at, at the river level, you can see the trunks of the trees right there, you know, 50, 75 foot trees. But as you went down, you can't see anything above that. So this one tree that I noticed out of nowhere was vibrating. I, I can't say shaking because it wasn't just shaking. This tree was vibrating rapidly. And because we were, we were getting too rapid, I was trying to get people to look. I was like, Hey, hey look, like, look at the hillside over there, please. Everyone. But no one was paying attention to me because we were about to hit rapids and they were all concerned about that. But I was paying attention to it. And this tree was literally rapidly shaking. It was like hard vibration coming from this tree just for as long. I, I, I remember going past the rapids and looking back and it was still doing it. It was weird. And you could hear it in the background, like, like really, really going crazy. Now I know bear do that um, from what I read, but I just couldn't, I couldn't see a bear shaking a tree that much. And that, you know, that I just, I found that to be a little interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was weird, and I've never seen something uh, as as big as a tree that it was shake so rapidly. Very interesting, but I didn't I didn't I didn't put two and two together then, uh, just because I I just I wasn't thinking about Bigfoot. I wasn't. Um, 
So I guess the the next thing that happened was we were up there about two years later, and it was me, my girlfriend, who was now my wife, um, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, and their 13-year-old son. And we decided to go for a hike to the mountaintop, which is about four and a mile, four and a half miles from the house. To get there, you have to go up the uh, road that we don't want to get to the house. You have to go up the road about another quarter mile. And once you get once you get to the quarter mile, there is a big gate for the game lands, but the trail that you can go on it's like a kind of dirt road. And you can take the dirt road uh, for for miles. I think it's probably for state uh, game land people to travel on if need be. But we were walking up this road. Um, to get to the mountaintop, you have to kind of veer off this road onto these uh, trails to get up there. So about, uh, I want to say about three and a half to four miles up. Uh, we veered off onto this other trail, and this other trail is—it's not so much as a road. It's—it's uh, it's like a walking path, more or less. You know, two people can fit on either side going up this trail. So we were walking up this trail, and um, my wife and her sister were ahead of us, and her sister was pregnant at the time. Um, my nephew, who was then, I want to say he was about 10 or 11, was in the middle, and me and my brother are on the back. This, uh, during these walks, we, my brother and I are always uh, armed up there just because there are bear. And we have, during that hike and other times, we have definitely seen uh, signs of mountain lion or cougar or something like that. Big, big scat of what looks like a cat indefinitely um so we're walking up this trail and the girls are talking uh my brother and i are talking with uh my nephew everything's cool and then uh something growled at us and the only way i can describe this was um it was a growl that reverberated kind of your insides it literally vibrated my rib cage and that's what really freaked me out about it. And as soon as the girls heard it, they were ahead of us. As soon as they heard it, they turned around and started walking back to us. And we're like, Oh my God, what was that? And they all kind of, we all kind of came back together and the growl was still going. It was uh, about five to seven seconds long. And as soon as I got back to us, my brother-in-law and I, we felt it was necessary to draw our firearms. We weren't pointing anywhere, any direction. We unholstered them. And because we were extremely worried, <laughs> we did not know what it was. I had a, we both had a clear line of sight for 50 yards or more all around us. And um, we didn't see anything, nothing. But this growl was, it was something I never heard before. And I know on other shows, you know, I, the way they describe it is exactly how I felt it. It was, if, if you were in a car with like subwoofers or something like that, or at a concert standing next to a speaker, 
um, you get that feeling in you, just that sound vibrating and reverberating uh, kind of within your body. It's exactly what we felt. And we all sat there for about five minutes, kind of just looking around, trying to figure out what it was. And we could not, it, there was nothing there, nothing at all. Um, months after that occurred, my brother-in-law told me, and again, we weren't, we weren't very, uh, into the Bigfoot thing then. And, uh, he, he stated to me that he heard that after, after the fact, he heard what sounded like something fall and start running away, like something bipedal started running away. I was surprised he didn't tell me then because I would have been, you know, I'd been like, what, what are you talking about? But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a, it was a pretty freaky experience. And, but we, we didn't turn back. We still continued up to the mountaintop. And for me, it was creepy because just the, the whole way up there, I felt like we and watched, but I can't say for sure just because I, I didn't, I didn't see anything. But uh, the growl alone was something that I've never experienced before. I've heard bears grunt. Uh, there's a big bear around that house that comes around. We call him Barrel because he's literally a giant barrel with legs. And he just kind of goes through that area, and we see him every once in a while. But he doesn't do anything. He just walks through. Um, I've grunted with full-grown bucks before that were outside of the house just making silly noises at them and they grunt back and I'll grunt back to them. Um, I know those noises, uh, what we heard that then I don't think was, uh, I don't know. This didn't seem like a, an animal that we were familiar with. When you, when you um, heard the growl, did you feel it in your body? Almost as like, cause I heard people describe an, a lion growling, and how you feel sure. reverberate in your chest. Is that how you would possibly describe it? Cause I mean, I'm sure you've been to a zoo. Uh, you, you live near Philadelphia. You've probably been to the Philly zoo and you heard the lions roar. Yep. Is it kind of like, yeah, that? no, I, uh, exactly. But more so it was, uh, something that really, when I was at the zoo, you, you could hear them. Obviously you're at the zoo. So you have that, uh, sense of well being. you know, that the, <laughs> the animal's not in the wild. And, but you'll still hear them make those noises. And it was similar to those, but I, I would say 10 times that amount. Wow. It, like it, it shook my rib, rib cage. It, uh, like it made me feel very uneasy, like extremely uneasy. And I think that, that that's exactly why we drew our guns because we didn't know what it was. And the fact that we had, you know, my sister-in-law at the time was pregnant. Uh, we had my wife and a, a 10 or 11 year old with us. So yeah, it made us feel really, really uneasy. And I, I know what you're saying about the growl and everything else, but at the zoo and like I said, it, it was like that, but, uh, I would say 10 times more, more so. That's, a, that's incredible. It, yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty wild. We work hard at being healthier what? and what we really need is better quality sleep. <sighs> The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. 
It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Let me ask you, so your brother-in-law, I believe you said it was your brother-in-law, was there with you. And he said that he thinks he heard something fall out of a tree and then run off. So is he suggesting, and do you guys think maybe it was in a tree growling at you? I would think so because we, I, I have great vision and especially when we're out there with the kids, I'm very observant and I try to, uh, just keep track of surroundings everywhere all the time. And we didn't see anything. And we, at that time, like I said, I, I wasn't so much in the Bigfoot like I am now. And we didn't see anything. In our line of sight, there was nothing. I didn't see anything run away. I had perfect, pl- I had perfect view of everything around me. And there was, uh, there was nothing. And this was in Luzerne County still? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, state game lands of Luzerne County. Gotcha. So I guess the the next one, the next thing that happened, I wasn't there for, and neither was my brother-in-law, but his parents, who actually owned the uh, property, were there. And in the summer, they go away for the winter. They have a little condo in Florida that they go to. And every summer, they'll come back, and they usually go to the this mountain house uh, every weekend or so, if not you know, a couple weeks during the year. It was during the summer. And one day I was actually hanging out with my brother-in-law with the kids and his parents called him. They had just gotten up there and they were like, they, they started asking my brother-in-law, Hey, were you guys up here? And my brother-in-law was saying, nah, we, we haven't been up there since, you know, early May, something like that. And the reason they were asking is because there was a lot of messed up stuff at the house. Um, for instance, in the backyard, there's a lot of flower pots, um, tarps, things like that, covering wood. Uh, and my brother-in-law's father uh, had recently, the month before, had had planted daisies around this pond that's at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the house. And out back of the house, we have. Um, Two, two hay bales stacked on top of each other so for uh, archery. We can go out back and uh, do some archery when we want to. There's two hay bales stacked on top of each other, and there was a tarp over that, and then we had targets on top of that. So when they got up there, um, they were looking out back at the house and saw that all these tarps on the wood piles were taken off. Um, there was a lot of flower pots that were in the backyard that were turned over and and they were saying it looked like something was digging at the dirt, which, you know, I, my brother-in-law and I were like, okay, well, it was probably the bear and he was hungry, something like that. He was going around looking for stuff. And then his, uh, his dad told us that down near the pond, there was, uh, his daisies that he had planted, um, were, were pulled out of the ground. Uh, they weren't bitten. They weren't like ripped, but it looked like they were pulled from the kind of from the bottom of the stem, uh, like popped out of the ground. And then something had eaten the uh, blossoms. We weren't, you know, we were, we were kind of like, okay, uh, 
we're not sure about that. And then the next thing he told us was that uh, it had rained up there recently. So the, the hay bales were, even though there was a tarp on them, the tarp didn't cover the whole thing. It was just in the front, kind of something to put the uh, targets on. Apparently someone had taken a hay bale and uh, brought it about 50 yards away, placed it under a tree, and made a, I made a bet out of it. Now, you know, I, I don't know if bear do this. I don't think cat do it. Every every type of research that I've I've tried researching about bears and making nests and things, I've never heard of them doing this. But the hay bale, the top hay bale, the uh, archery stand, it was it had to be picked up because there was no trail of hay. We're 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 talking to his dad at the time when he's he, he just got up there, so we're on the phone with him. And he's like, There is no you know, there's no trail of, of hay going down to the area, but he saw this long path of like uh I guess stepped along grass, if you will. Not really any footprints or anything like that, but the grass was worn down and the, but there was no hay at all. So 50 yards away, down on this other trail away from the house, um, and I saw it a few months later when we went up, and the hay was still there. But it was uh, under a tree next to these, next to a pile of old railroad ties that a railroad used to go through there. But when uh, his grandfather was alive, his grandfather and like a, a crew kind of tore up these um, railroad ties and stacked them up about 50 to 75 yards away from the house. So these railroad ties are over in this corner. Uh, and then next to them was the hay bale, and it was made into a bed. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can describe it as. That took a picture and showed us, and then we went up a few months later, and it was still there, but it was a bed. And it was under a tree, uh, a low-hanging tree, and then directly perpendicular to this bed was a fresh tree that was just pushed over, blocking another trail that was coming down in that area. Just a full the tree had to be at least five, six inches diameter, if not a little more. Uh, it was just pushed over, cracked. It was more or less like split, like you know something wasn't cracking it, but it was just it was pushed over with force. And it was blocking this trail, and there was a a hay bed underneath that and um we didn't know <laughs> you know we like i said we researched it and i've never heard of bear doing that or anything like that and uh we were very surprised at that and the hay is actually st- we were up there a couple months ago and the hay's still there has, still hasn't moved but um for something to be able to not to mention that it rained so whatever did this kicked up uh, soaking wet hay bale carried it about 50 to 75 yards away from the house without any trail of hay and uh, made a bed out of it under a tree and then pushed a tree over I guess to block anything from or to get you know just to block it block that trail yeah. so that was the other weird thing that's happened up there and we have we have never seen anything up there uh, personally but after, like I said, after listening to a lot of different things, it seems like that 
may have been the case. Can't say for sure, but it's very, it's very weird stuff. Yeah. If anything, it's curious, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very curious. And, uh, since we're something to take a wet hay bale and carry it that distance, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, I know. I mean, when I, when I was a kid growing up, we actually stole the farmer's hay bales and we would make like little huts out of it and stuff. And, you know, obviously he didn't appreciate that, but I I remember as a kid, I was probably maybe 13 or 14, uh, just to carry those things. I mean, it it took two of us a lot of times and that's not being wet. I mean, those things, if it's wet, I can't imagine how how heavy it would be. Exactly. And you guys made a hut out of it at least. (laughs) Whatever did this just made a bed out of it. It was just a, it was just a hay bale smashed into the ground. Uh, and it just looked like a bed. That's all I can describe it as. Something slept on it. And a month after that, I went when we went up. I actually I went down there to check it out, and the hay was still there. And I was searching around and looking for any other type of evidence, but I couldn't. I, I didn't. I did not see anything. So, you know, who's to say? I, I don't know what it was or what did that. Did teenagers do it? Ah, maybe. You know, but there are very few teenagers that are hanging out. You know a mile and a half, two miles back in the woods from woods from that development in the middle of the night. You know, it's just weird to think about. Yeah. Especially nowadays. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, yeah, sure. Kids could definitely do something like that. But nowadays, not that kids can't, but kids won't. I mean, they are too yeah, distracted with their devices and their games and their phones and their everything like that. I mean, it, kids just don't make it out of the house. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I found most weird about it. It's a strange thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess the the last one I have to tell about is the uh, is my cousin. He lives about an hour north of where we are, um, towards Scranton area. He's always lived out there. He's currently in the Navy. Um, once in a while, he'll come back to Philadelphia and visit us. And he came back one time, and this is just when I started listening to these Bigfoot podcasts and things like that. And I'd always known that and read in a few different places that Pennsylvania was kind of there, there uh, many people had experiences in Pennsylvania regarding these things. And we were hanging out one night and out of the blue, I just asked him, you, you know, you ever see a Bigfoot by any chance? And it got quiet real quick. And, um, he was kind of hesitant to talk about it, but, he then said, yeah, I think I did see one one time. I was like, wow, really? And he said, you know, would you mind telling me about it? And he said, uh, where he lived and where he, where his parents still live, he's in the Navy. So he's kind of back and forth once in a while. But, uh, he went out in the woods up there. You can kind of walk, especially where his parents live. You can walk a half mile into the woods and just start target shooting, um, wherever you want, really out in the woods as long as it's safe not nearby people and he said he was going back there one day and uh he was about a mile in was like kind of he stopped walking started kind of just getting the targets ready taking things out of his pocket his backpack and he heard like a rustling in the trees rustling in the bushes the trees about i want to say 25 30 yards away from him uh, and when he looked over there, he thought he saw a bear and, and this is him telling me this. He, he, he said he thought he saw a bear, but then when he saw the color of it, 
it didn't remind him of a bear. He's like, wow, that's a really weird color brown this bear is. I, I've never seen it. He, he was describing it as like uh, a brown, kind of dark orange. And he said he, you know, he just kind of sat there and kept going about his business. He's already used to bear. Bear coming to his backyard all the time. He's already used to it. So he figured, you know, bear's doing what it's doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And eventually it's probably going to take off. And, uh, you know, I'll just go about my target shooting. So he was putting up his target and, uh, he looked at, he glanced over again. And that's when he said that he saw this big orange arm gripping a, a branch on this tree. And he started to get a little freaked, <laughs> freaked out then. And, uh, he said, what he was telling me was like, all I can tell you is that the hand of this thing was dark brown and the hair reminded me of like a orangutan. And then he said, as he was, uh, he, at that point he was kind of stunned. He was standing there freaked out. And, uh, at that point, whatever was gripping this branch used it as leverage and, and pulled itself up. And then what, how he tells me and that, and then he says, that's when he crapped himself more or less because it wasn't a bear. It was, uh, something that was eight or nine feet tall. Um, he knows this by, cause it, uh, three weeks later, he went back and measured the branch. It took him that long to go back out in the woods. Some that grew up in the woods, uh, after seeing something like that, he said he, he literally walked, he, he went home and didn't go out of his house for about two weeks. But he said it grabbed the branch, pulled itself up, and uh, he said the whole thing was massive, extremely muscular, and had like four-inch-long hair coming down its back, like Auburn-type color, orange. And the only thing he could compare it to was an orangutan. He never got to see its face or anything like that. He said it pulled itself up, took uh, one big step forward, and kind of just walked off through the brush and stuff like that. And when he told me that, I was like, wow, man, I, you know, why didn't you tell me that before? And he just said, I just, I didn't want people to think I was crazy. His dad was a, uh, is now retired, but his dad, my uncle was a, was a 35 years now retired state trooper up there. And the last thing he wanted to do was tell his dad about it. Cause his dad probably would have, you know, Say he was crazy or something, but who knows? Maybe his dad has had some experiences with that stuff. I really don't know. Yeah, that's, that's what he described to me. That's incredible. I mean, hearing yeah, stories but, like that where people actually see the body and how big it was. I mean, for me personally, those are my those are my favorite because I mean, I enjoy hearing about the people who actually saw the facial details and stuff, and those are very intriguing. But for me. I love hearing the stories of when people actually saw the body and how big it was, because that's just so hard to mistake for something else. You know, the fact that he saw an arm pull itself, the whole body up and it looked like an orangutan and how big it was. Yeah. That's just, that's incredible. Considering he's lived up there his whole life and he's coming up. He, I mean, he's seen mountain lion up there. Apparently Mount, you know, some mountain lions and pumas. I don't, they say they're not supposed to be up there, but, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that they are. Yeah. And uh, he's seen quite a few of them before in his backyard. And he's seen quite a few bear. And he's very experienced in that type of wildlife. So 
for him to say that and the, you know, kind of convey that story to me was pretty cool and uh, pretty wild, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because there, there's definitely sightings up there. Uh, you got the uh, well, you got the famous video online of the Carbondale White Bigfoot. Uh, there's yep. also um, there not too long ago on Sasquatch Chronicles, there was a story of this. I believe they were college guys. They went out looking for Bigfoot and they actually found it. And that was up in the Poconos. Yeah, and the in the Pocono Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's, found it. They kind of regretted finding it. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely uh, accounts of recently of th- these things being up there. So it's doesn't it doesn't surprise me, but it definitely intrigues me. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely intrigues me too. So uh, some of the things that happen up there, you just can't you can't pin to any one animal. It's uh it's weird, strange. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, let's start transitioning here from Bigfoot to UFO. I know you've All had right. you've told me you had four different sightings of UFOs. Uh yeah. start start where you want, man. All right. Well, uh ugh, the first uh sorry, I'm just a little nervous. The uh first time I've I used to live in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Um well I still live in the suburbs of Philadelphia. But when I was younger I used to live closer too. And uh it was row homes. It was this neighborhood. And back then in the summer was different, I want to say, because uh, it was when all the kids and parents used to hang out outside and talk to each other and play outside. <laughs> Whereas nowadays, you don't see that as much. Right. But uh, yeah, this night, it was in the summer. We were all outside. Um, where I lived, Almost every family was outside either, you know, just chilling or cooking and grilling. And as kids, there would be a bunch of us and we would run around uh, going to different people's houses, you know, stopping at one guy's house for a hot dog and then running around again and going to another friend's house, getting a drink, running around again, playing capture, that type of stuff. This night was different just because, um, well, what we saw, but uh, it was sun was going down and we lived very we lived i don't want to say very close to the airport but relatively close and we were very used to planes and uh helicopters coming by extremely used to it we would always you know obviously look up at them we were used to that stuff uh but the one night or it was dawn i don't want to say night yet but uh not dawn i'm sorry sunset and uh, we were all playing outside and then all of a sudden one of the adults said, well, I wonder what that is. And everyone looked up and if you can picture this, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was a whole kind of street people. Some were standing in the middle of the street. Some were standing in the yard. And we were all looking at this one thing that was chilling in the sky. It was just sitting there. Um, it was not a star. Definitely was not an airplane or a helicopter because it was completely silent. And um, what it was doing was it wasn't necessarily moving, but it was changing colors and it was changing shapes. And we could see it pretty uh, clearly. It would go from a triangle to a square to a diamond to a circle and then keep kind of doing that pattern. But each shape that it would change, it would also change color. And it did it for about a couple of minutes. 
And, you know, I, it's hard to think about, but it was, for me, it was weird just because, um, the adults were just as curious about it as the kids because they would be the first ones to call it as like a plane or a helicopter. Uh, but they didn't, they were out there with everybody staring at it. And I, all I can tell you is for a few minutes, we were out there looking at it and, uh, just at one, at one point it shot up It just shot directly up into the sky. Um, it was in a, you know, kind of in transition of changing a shape or color. And then all of a sudden just went straight up into the sky until you couldn't see it anymore. It was the fat, one of the fastest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, the colors it was changing were, you know, that of the rainbow and the shapes already described, but, uh, yeah, that was the first time we ever saw anything. And then after that, all the kids in the street were like, Oh my God, the aliens are invading. We better go prepare ourselves. So we started making bows and arrows and stuff out of the junkyard. That was our imagination at the time. But, um, I still talk to the people that used to live there and they still remember it. Uh, very, very vividly. And you don't know what it was, you know. My dad, who's a very, uh, yeah, he's a very structured guy. To this day, he still, he still doesn't know what it was. So that was the first time I've seen something weird in the sky. Did you hear any anything surrounding that, or was it pretty much? No, it was silent. It was completely silent. Um, there wasn't even any planes going by at the time. And uh, there was no sound associated with it. It was just sitting up there for minutes, changing shapes, changing colors, getting bigger and smaller. I've tried to, you know, I've tried to pinpoint something. Um, nah, yeah, no sound at all. Not at all. Completely silent. Gotcha. So what was the uh, second story? Second one was um, my family was, when I was in third grade, we moved to a different suburb in Philadelphia. The one we were living in was kind of, it was going downhill. So my parents decided to move. And I want to say I was a junior in high school. My brother was a little younger. Uh, back then, we used to build mini bikes. We had mini bike frames. We would get like lawnmower engines, uh, get some tires, and just set them up and build mini bikes so we could ride around the neighborhood. We were out there, and this is this is one of the ones, when I emailed you, I told you that I think two out of the four times that I've seen something, I think they were drones of some sort, kind of before the drone craze hit about two or three years ago when you started hearing about drones a lot more. Um, the This one and another one remind me of possible drones, but I mean, I can't be certain. But we were working on the mini bike. It was at nighttime. They were outside of the garage with, we had two flashlights shining on what we were working on. And my brother just so happened to look up. And what it was, was, uh, it was a red light. It was a solid red light. It wasn't blinking. And it was coming towards us uh, from, I want to say, the west. It was coming towards us, going towards east, towards the city. And it was a solid red light. And as I got closer, it was a clear night too, but as I got closer, you could tell there was a uh, shape to it. It was like a, a pill shape. 
could imagine like a uh, it was a pill shape that's all i can say kind of cylindrical but like like a big pill uh kind of cruising through the sky completely silent red light on the front and then when it passed over us you could see its silhouette against the sky meaning that it was blocking out stars above us so we could tell the shape of it but as it went past on the back of it there was a yellow light that was solid wasn't blinking just cruising and we just we saw the red light followed it as it came as it came over us and saw this yellow light on the back of it and it just passed over silently and it just passed out of view that was the second time we saw or i saw something so when you say it was in the shape of a pill now a lot of people suggest or not suggest but describe that they saw a UFO that was in the shape of a cigar. Is that kind of like a similar right. thing you're describing here? Could be. I'm not too sure. It's uh, again, it was at nighttime, so we couldn't like tell everything. I say pill in in the way like it was cylindrical to a degree, but at the ends were rounded off. Um, if you can imagine like a cylinder with uh, kind of like. Uh, just rounded edges on each side is more or less what it looked like okay. going in that direction. It's hard to describe. I'm sorry. I'm horrible describing things. No, it's fine. Yeah. But that's uh, kind of what happened there. That was weird. And then we kind of sat outside for a little bit trying to think of what it could be. And again, it was before the whole drone craze. So years later is when I'm, after you know all the news is covering all this drone stuff and seeing drones, maybe it did have wings. We're not completely sure, but it didn't make any noise. I just cruised over. As a yeah, it was it was definitely weird. So I guess the third time that something happened, this is this is the one that I really can't explain. But I was uh, going to school at the time, and I was working at a restaurant, so. I would get done school around like 11 a.m. come home. Sometimes I would take a nap. Sometimes I would uh, study, take a shower, and then I would have to go work. Go to work. I was working at a restaurant. And at this time, it's probably about one or two in the summer again. And I was sitting on on my deck, and I was actually reading uh, one of my books, and. As I'm sitting there, I hear this humming type noise coming from somewhere. I couldn't, I, I was just like, huh, what? you know, I, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was maybe an insect or something like that. I wasn't too sure. And then all of a sudden, uh, something flew by, like my head, oh, no, I, not my head, my head, but like 10 feet away. And I caught a glimpse of it. And all I can say that it seemed like it was a cylinder, some type of cylinder. I didn't see any wings, I didn't see any mechanical structure to it whatsoever. All I can say that it was a solid object and it was cruising past me at a speed that when I saw it, I could see you ever see a um, like videos of a of like an F eighteen or an F sixteen? going through the sky and it breaks the sound barrier and you have this whole kind of cone of air going around the wings. Yeah. 
if you look at if you look it up on YouTube, you can see a perfect example of it. Uh, whatever the thing was, it was cruising at that speed. It was able to do something like that. I might like about ten feet, sixty degrees from my head, past me. When I caught a glimpse of it, it was going so fast, and I but all I could see was the air kind of being pushed around this thing. That's incredible. It was uh, it was weird, man. And it was cruising so fast, it was making a noise like a like something ripping through air. And when I saw it, uh, I, I got to watch it for maybe like three quarters of a second. And it was cruising by me. I, I was watching it. And then all of a sudden, it like kind of just clips and banks on an angle, like a hard angle. It didn't like, it didn't swerve like a bird would or curve like a bird would. It just, it was going one way and went another completely different angle as fast as it was going and not stop speed as it, as it was going, as it made this angle and kept going, it went through a tree and the tree, like the branches on the tree just separated, like, like something went through it. And I just sat there like, what in the, was that? I didn't know what to expect. Or I, I, I didn't know what to think about it. I kind of thought maybe it was a falcon, you know, doing like a dive bomb after prey or something. But at that speed and the the angle that it that it changed to was up, like it was it was coming down, and then it just changed angles and went straight in a different. Didn't go straight up, but it was at a different angle and went through the trees in a you know upwards escalation and made the tree separate completely. I was like, wow, that's, I, I didn't really think much about it, but that was very strange to me. No, it, that's essentially the definition of a UFO, you know, like unidentified yeah. flying object. That's exactly what you saw. Yeah, pretty much. And I remember I talked to my buddy after the fact, but two weeks before then he used to live down the street and he was asking me about, he was like, have you heard anything weird at night lately? And I was like, nah, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know, by my, every once in a while, like something is cruising by my window going so fast that it makes a, it makes a sound like a propeller or something like just going through the air so fast. And I was like, well, it's probably, you know, someone driving their car really fast down the road. And he's like, no, 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 it's not like that. It was something going through the air, like flying through the air, making this weird noise. I didn't put two and two together until after I saw what I saw. And I, t- I still talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, man, I have no idea. And I was like, yeah, me neither. Man. I, you know, I, definitely weird. Yeah, for but sure. That was, uh, that was the third time. The fourth time was when I uh, recently bought, we, we bought our house about five years ago. And my first son was about two years old at the time. We were on the deck playing in the sandbox. And I just bought these new, this new pair of polarized sunglasses. And it was a clear day. It was blue out. It was beautiful. We were, my wife and I and my son were chilling, just kicking it outside, having a good time. And I just, you know, I was leaning back in the chair, just relaxing, looked up. And I saw these. I saw these two like 
Oh, that I can describe as two metallic spheres. Now, this is the the way they operate is why I'm thinking drone of some sort. But there are two spheres about I, I they were so high up there that they had to be relatively large. But um they were not together by any means and they were just sitting up there. And I was like questioning myself, like, am I really seeing this? And I took my sunglasses off and looked up. I didn't see anything. And I put them back on and they were there. And I thought, you know, I I'm like, all right, this is strange. So I told my wife to come over here. I was like, Do you see anything up there right now? And she said no. And I was like, all right, put these on, look up there and tell me if you see anything. And she described exactly what I saw. These two spheres sitting up there. Now, I couldn't see them with the naked eye. But as soon as I put my polarized glasses on, I saw them. So she saw them, gives me my glasses back, and I'm sitting there looking up. And these things start to move. So one is a little ahead of the other. Uh, you know, if, if they, were go- they were going west, one's a little more ahead of the other. They're cruising at the same at the same rate, same exact rate. The one ahead of them stops, and then the other one that's next to it or you know behind it catches up to it. As soon as it gets to almost right next to the thing, it stops. So now they're together, or not together. I'm sorry, but they're next to each other. They sit there for about five seconds, five ten seconds, and then they both start cruising at the same rate, moving forward. So it's moving forward. They're they're both moving forward. And then the one on the left stops and the other one goes forward about I can tell you distances at that at that from where I'm looking I can't really tell you or give you accurate distances. But it's moving forward and it's a four it's ahead of the other one and it stops. The one that's behind it moves forward, stops next to the other one. And then they both kind of, the one that's on the right stays put, but the one that's on the, on the left moves around, like if you were to move a compass, a compass and a pencil, you have it like stuck in the center, right? So the one that's on the right is the center one. The other one moves around the other one to about 90 degrees. And then they both start cruising in a different direction simultaneously at the same rate again and they just start going I don't know what to make of that the only reason I'm saying drones is because they moved in a very uh, it seemed like a very mathematical and pattern kind of like a human calculated pattern or something like that I don't know but um, that was the fourth time and that was really weird too I just don't know what to make of that yeah, it's definitely something different, especially since you couldn't see it with your naked eye. I, I really find that mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, it was only when I put on the glasses. It was, uh, and when we put on, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one that was seeing it. So I told my wife to put them on. Sure. She put them on, and she saw them too, but as soon as she took the glasses off, she didn't see them anymore. So we found that to be extremely weird. Yeah, that, that seems but, like confirmation, at least, that you're not going crazy, you know? Exactly, and that's what I was going for. I, I didn't want to, I know, you know, I had, I know that I've seen things before, 
I was like, all right, all right, let me make sure that I'm not going crazy. And I told her to put them on, and she saw it too. So, yeah, it was definitely weird. Definitely a, a weird experience. You mentioned to me in the email about having something possibly in your house, I think it was. Did you want to go into that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to. No, I, I, t- I said I would because I, you know, I, I, I like this podcast. I, I want to share experiences because I know I know people have had experiences too. So, yeah, I'll share this. Um, okay. It's uncomfortable, but uh, it's in the middle of the night, and every night we go to sleep. I leave a uh, living room light on. It's a lamp down the living room, and um, when I do, when we leave it on, when we go to bed, we crack our door. And the light from downstairs does come in a little bit. It's a soft lamp, but it still does provide light upstairs into the hallway. You can see it downstairs. So, ugh, sorry. I was, uh, we were sleeping and I don't know where I, I wake up and I open my eyes and I'm laying there. I'm like, I don't understand why I woke up, but I did. And uh, I sat up, kind of just like, um, you know, what you would do when you sit up in bed, kind of wipe your eyes and just like figure out what, you know, the hell. And uh, I looked over towards the door in our bedroom. There was still light coming in from downstairs. And uh, there was something there was something standing there. It was, uh, yeah, it was like three, what I can describe. All right. I'm going to try to describe it as best as I can. It's about three, three and a half feet tall. Again, I, I do have children. One of them is a four year old. And what I could say, he's about the same size as what I saw. And, um, from what I saw, it was like three or four feet tall. Uh, it was like, it was, it was gray. Didn't look like it had any clothes on whatsoever, which I found weird because I assumed it was my son, but after looking at it for, uh, three or four seconds, I realized it wasn't and it was gray and, um, it, it was leaving the room. It was, uh, moving. I couldn't see any legs or anything, but it was moving towards the direction of the door. And in my, you know, in my head, I'm like, geez, my God, you're having a crazy dream. Lay back down for a second and just, you know, get a grip, dude. So I lay back down for a second and like take a sip of water, get back up. Uh, uh, It's probably about five seconds I pass by. I look back over and it's uh, still leaving the room, but this time I saw its face. And uh, what I can describe was that it was, you know, it was, that, it was three, four feet tall, a big old head on it, and very big eyes, very, uh, very small mouth and nose. Kind of like, uh, I mean, if you were to compare it to the common grays, if you will, I guess. I don't know. But 
what caught my attention was that as it was leaving, it saw me look at it and the look on its face, uh, was of worry. Kind of like I wasn't supposed to see it. Um, its eyes looked very worried and it, it continued to move out of the room. So at that point, I'm starting to freak out a little bit and I kind of just, you know, I, I'm like, I, I, am I really seeing this? And then I, uh, turn around and grab a glass of water again for some reason. And I take another sip and I turn around and, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, is, is pulling, it's pulling the bedroom door shut. So I, I see this, I, I see something on the handle and it's slowly pulling the bedroom door shut. And the way I, the only reason I know that is because the light from downstairs is, it's, uh, you know, kind of depleting. So if nothing's touching the door, you have a certain amount of light from downstairs coming into the room. But now the door is closing, something's pulling it shut, and the light's going away. So at that point, I start, I'm like, okay, this is not a dream. So I get up, and the first thing I think of is my son. I'm like, all right, it's Jack, it, it's my son. He got up, he came in the room, now he's leaving. So I, I run out in the hallway, open the door, run out in the hallway, go in my son's room. He's, he's asleep. He's knocked out like he usually always is, uh, completely asleep in his room. No signs of him getting up. His door was still shut, everything. And then at that point is when I start going into like, I guess, I don't know, secure mode. And I, I, I go through the whole house looking in every crevice that I can. I don't see anything. But uh, yeah, that was a, a very, a very strange experience. I've never had any, I've never seen anything since or before that, but uh, yeah, that was, that was frightening. So let me ask you a couple things here with this. I mean, I, this is something that is quite frankly, incredible to me. Uh, one, when you saw this, did it have any hair anywhere, like on its head, like a human would or anything like that? Nope. It was okay. uh, completely desolate of any type of hair. All that I could tell was any detail was like wrinkles of skin. Gray, grayish skin. Okay. If it was skin. I really don't know if it was skin or not. You know. And Alright, so you checked the room. It wasn't the kid. Right. What's What's your reaction after that? I mean, like do you go to sleep again? Do you have a hard time sleeping the following nights? I mean, what's your sense of security after something like this happens to you? Well, I've always been kind of interested in UFO phenomena. I've read a lot of books about it. Growing up, um, I always had night terrors, like really bad night terrors. I, I would wake up with my parents on top of me, like holding me down because of night terrors. I don't know why or what, what caused them. Um, I've had dreams, weird dreams before like that. However, my sense of security after the fact was I didn't go to sleep that night. 
that was about three in the morning when it happened that I didn't go back to sleep and sleeping for the next week was kind of a issue. Um, I really didn't go to sleep. I would go around checking doors and windows, uh, to make sure they were shut and locked and they were like every other night. But, um, yeah, after the fact it was tough. Now that, that was the first time I've ever seen anything like that or experienced anything like that. And your, your, your sense of security is shot at that point because in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, something was definitely in here. Everything is locked and shut in my house. I didn't hear anything. Um, so yeah, it, it, it rattles the hell out of you. And ugh, just a week, it took me about a week or two to actually be able to go back to sleep normally and everything like that. Yeah, I can imagine it's got to be, um, it was, it, gotta be scary. it was scary, man. Yeah, it was definitely scary. It was uh, something that I hope that I never see again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know what it was or what its uh, you know what its motives were, but well, let me ask you. Yeah. I, I know this. I know after you seeing something like that in your house and everything running through your mind, I know this had to run through your mind. So let me ask you on your opinion on it. What sure. are your thoughts on the idea of an alien abduction? Do you think that's something that was being that happening there or or not? Um, I think it's something that's possible. Like I said, my whole life I've to this day, I still have night terrors. I don't know why or I don't I'm not I didn't have anything extremely traumatic happen in my childhood that would cause me to have these things. Um, in my email that I sent you, I, I mentioned that I've uh, I've read books by Dr. Carla Turner, Dr. John Mack regarding alien abduction phenomena, and um, it seems that a lot of the uh, patients that these doctors had that reported these occurrences happening to them, I seem to have the same traits. I, I seem to exhibit some of the same, um, I guess, symptoms. I don't want to say symptoms, but... But uh, I don't know, and a lot of I, I talked to my one friend about it, and he mentioned why you go through, you know, the hypnotic regression. I've read a lot about that too, and I rather I don't think I want to at this point. Sometimes it's not a great thing to do, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm, de- I'm gonna since I've read a lot about it, and I'm not gonna say that it's not a possibility. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I would definitely be curious about myself and trying to find out the answers to that is scary because when you start talking about the hypnotic stuff, I mean, that always made me nervous too. I I just don't know if I'd want to be put underneath hip- hypnosis because I've heard of things going bad when that happens. Yeah, so, yeah, completely wrong. And I, I just, I don't know if I want to do that, but I am, uh, you know, I think that's, it's a possibility whether or not they're aliens or not. I don't know what the hell they are, but, uh, well, I assume, like, I assume you talk to your wife about this, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My wife knows everything that I've, she, my wife is, uh, she prefers her metaphorical bubble where she likes to stay in her bubble 
and to live life like that, where I'm the kind of guy that like I'm outside the bubble. But I know we talk about, you know, I always talk to her about all the stuff that I'm interested in and, and look into. And she she listens and she, you know, she's interested in it as well, but she prefers her bubble, which I can't blame her. Uh, it's safe in the bubble <laughs> at times. So I, I don't, I don't press it on her, but yeah, I talked to her about that and she's never experienced anything like that. Um, or has seen, or has seen anything. She has had experiences that she's talked to me about before, really just, um, kind of, uh, hearing things go bump in the night once in a while and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I've definitely talked to her, talked to her about it and she believes me. She's not going to say I'm lying or I'm crazy, but, uh, like I said, she prefers her. She prefers to stay within her bubble. I cannot blame her. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's some amazing stuff, man. Really. I, I think to this day, if that happened to me, you know, like you said, you're always checking to see if the windows were locked. When, when you said that about checking the windows, now I'm thinking in my head, should I start checking the windows of my house? Because I know like on the second floor, you know, sometimes you forget about it and you don't worry about it because it's the second floor. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I need to start checking my windows too. Well, considering all my windows and doors were locked, I don't think windows and doors mean a lot to whatever they are. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. Well, <sighs> let's move on here to your last thing here that you wanted to share with us. Now we talked about Bigfoot. We talked about UFO. Now <laughs> and, and those things that we talked about were things that were involuntary, things that you weren't right. expecting and it just happened. What yeah. we're gonna talk about now is something that you intentionally tried doing and succeeded. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, at one point in my life, I started getting into the occult a lot. Uh, not as a, a lot of people, when you bring up the, when you say the occult, they assume, you know, Satanism or devil worshiping. That That's not really the occult. The occult is just kind of the unknown wisdom or knowledge of the unknown, if you will. And, uh, I acquired this book through a friend. Um, and if you're not familiar with, uh, oh, such a weird subject about the, uh, ascended masters, they're these individuals who are supposed to be once they lived at one time, but mastered, uh, physical reality and were able to transcend physical reality and manipulate it and control it to their will. I didn't think too much into it, you know, but I was very interested in it because I'm interested in all this, <laughs> all this type of stuff. So I acquired this book and the book, it's, um, the first part of it is like heavy meditation. It teaches you how to meditate, which really did work for me. Um, it calmed me down. It enabled, it enabled me to focus a lot. Um, and just to really relax when I was stressed out. And, uh, after you complete the the meditation type part of it, it gives you instructions on how to do certain things if you if you want to. And um, one of the chapters was astral projection, which is more or less consciously leaving your body, 
knowing that you've left your body and able to control yourself in, I guess, some kind of astral or spiritual form. So one day after school was in the middle of the summer, um, during the day, bright day, I was in my bedroom, school, life in general was stressing me out. So I decided to do, you know, meditate. And uh, I, I was interested in this astral projection thing. I've had dreams before that were extremely vivid and even lucid dreams where I've been able to realize I was dreaming and actually start controlling that dream. Um, pretty amazing stuff. You can actually train your mind to do that. Uh, so this one day when I was stressed, um, I decided to meditate. So I opened all the windows in my room. It was, it was about, it was when I started this, it was 12, 13 in the afternoon PM. And, uh, I went into this kind of meditative. Yeah. I started meditating, but then there was other instructions on how to perform this astral projection type thing. So, I start the meditation and uh, close my eyes. I'm sitting on my bed in this in this meditation. You know the the typical meditation where you're sitting cross legged, your elbows are maybe on your knees or you're holding them up with your you know the the typical meditative sure sitting posture and uh, about. From I'm I'm just gonna tell this on how I experienced it, but a few minutes go by. It was twelve thirteen when I started. I remember the clock. A few minutes go by. For some reason, I want to get up, so I get up out of my bed and start walking toward my bedroom door. But something is telling me to look at the wall in my room. At the time, I had. Are you familiar with Guar? GWAR, the band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had this Guar poster on my on my wall, and something was drawing me towards it for some reason. So I get up, I go to open my door, and uh, for some reason I stop, and something's pulling me towards the door or towards this poster. Excuse me. So I'm like, huh, that's weird. So I start walking towards poster and right next to the poster on the wall I see I, from what I can it's just like the wall something's wrong with the wall I'm like what the like what's going on so I go to touch the wall and uh, as I touch it I'm, I'm using my pointer finger <laughs> and my finger starts going through the wall then there's a sense of me falling. So I'm like, my finger and then my hand and some of my arm is passing through my wall. And as it's passing, I'm falling. So my body's kind of shifting to the left. And I'm like, dude, what the... And my, at this time, my mind's racing. And as I'm twisting, my body's twisting and I'm falling, I turn my head and I see myself sitting on my bed. It's me. I'm sitting right there. At this point, like, from when I can just, like, my forearm is in my wall. 
my body's turning. My head is looking at myself sitting on my bed. As soon as I realized what I'm looking at, it felt like a vacuum, just like completely as quick as I can think, a vacuum just sucked me right back into my head. I get, and I'm sitting on my bed, and as soon as I realize what's happening, I get up and I'm, I take a giant breath, like, oh my God, what the hell? Like, what just happened? I cannot believe. I'm just out of my mind crazy right now, not knowing what just happened. I'm like sweating, trying to figure out what happened. And then I look at the clock and it's 1250. So about 40 minutes went by where I could have sworn it was like three or four minutes. But at least 30 to 35 minutes went by. And I have no recollection of what, but what was happening. It just, it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah, I, not all. Not only because it happened, because I was uh, I was trying to make it happen, and it it worked. But I was, I guess, I was unknowing of it at the time. So, ah, man, it was crazy. Let me ask you: when you went back into your body, do you think yeah. that's because you became stressed? Like, because I know meditating, I I, I don't do meditating. I've never even tried, but from my understanding, mm-hmm. like put you in that relaxed state. Like you mentioned, do you think by seeing your body, your, your consciousness was like, Holy crap. And you stressed out. And that's kind of like what kicked you back into gear. Yeah. I don't think I was ready for it. I don't think I was, uh, yes, exactly. I think I realized at that point it was like a realization of what was going on and the fear and maybe even fear or stress of all that just, knocked me right back into my body or sucked me back in, if you will. But it was, uh, I don't think I was ready for it. And then ever since then, I, I have taken that book and have like put it in a bag and put it in like a separate part of my other books. It's a way I haven't read it since. And, uh, it's just very, very, it was very, very crazy experience that I've had, that I had. And I, I, I would assume it was, probably stress related. Yeah. Like I just wasn't ready for that, but yeah. I, I thought I was, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if anybody is really ready for something like that, especially the first time around. I mean, I can imagine, you know, even if somebody's like interested in doing something like that and they're, they're trying and trying and trying to, to actually do it. I think the first time you do something like that, it probably would catch you so off guard because you're just like, yeah. holy crap, I actually did that? Like, this is real? Holy cow. Yeah, it, it, it definitely called me off guard. And I, I, like you said, I think that's probably the reason why I got sucked right back in. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to try to control that. But, I, you know, I, I did it. That's all I can, I'm, that's one thing that I can honestly say that I, it definitely happened. It was a it was a very strange and very weird experience. Yeah, that's yeah. That's in fact, you're the first person I've ever talked to that actually has experienced that. I've heard of stories and stuff, but I've never actually talked to somebody who actually experienced that. That's that's just incredible. It was a uh, yeah. I mean, the book has all these other chapters about doing other stuff, and I was like, ah, now nah, I'm good. 
you know what? I'm just going to put this book away for now and uh, <laughs> relax on this stuff. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Was, uh, that was strange. Yeah, it would scare me a little bit too. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you this question here. Now, sure. we've covered the gamut here, and you've had so many experiences throughout your life that I can imagine your sense of reality is far different than most people. What one thing, whether it was the creature, I'll just call it a creature, in your bedroom or the out-of-body body experience or the UFOs, like what one thing do you think really helped or maybe influenced your actual thought on reality and what reality is? Like which experience really just kind of kicked you into gear and was like, whoa, there's something more to this life than what they're telling us uh, on the surface here? I have to say it was probably the, the first UFO experience. That was kind of when, um, after that, as when, at that age, I was about six or seven. So after that is when I started looking into it all. Um, I would go to school, and even at that time, in uh, elementary and middle school, or I was in elementary school at the time in the library, they had, I still remember, there were hardback scholastic books. Uh, one was Bigfoot, one was UFOs, Aliens, one was Ghosts and Spirits, and uh, I think that was the three that they had. Ever since then is when I started looking into all the stuff. It kind of triggered me. Yeah. And um, and that, that's when I just started. Everything I've read since then was, and everything I still read to this day is about that stuff, is about that type of subject matter. Um, yeah, I mean, that's when it started. And it's, ne- it's never ended. It's that way. Yeah. No, I. I think that's a great answer because, you know, if I saw something like that with a bunch of other people when I was that age, it would kind of like change my course there too, because it's not like you were just a kid and you were alone and you saw something you're like, oh, did I really see that? Can I even tell anybody about it? Like there was lots of other people that saw this. So, you knew right there, this is real. Other people have seen it and I need to look into it more. I mean, so I can imagine it really kind of shaped your reality there. It did, and uh has a lot to do with just, I guess, how I am today, and what I read today, and what I research, and I mean, I, geez, I have like a whole library about that stuff, small library regarding all the subject matter, and um, I find it extremely interesting. I also find it extremely frightening, <laughs> but uh, I think it's something that's, you know, the, the terms paranormal and supernatural, they bother me just because I really don't think, I, I think that these things are uh, far more natural and normal to this world than we, than the majority thinks it is. Um, if you look back, I mean, you, you can go back in history and see that these things have occurred to all different types of people, whether it be religious texts, um, or like uh, just journal entries from famous people having these experiences. Um, it's pretty obvious that uh, whatever you know, whatever phenomenon it may be, has been around for a very long time, and 
I think is it, it's far more normal to this world than maybe we are in a, in a sense. And, uh, we could probably benefit from, from learning about it more rather than pushing it aside and, and saying that it's crazy, but, right. uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, it is crazy stuff, Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. You know, it, but I think it's far more normal and, uh, to this world than we, we, uh, give it credit for. Yeah, Chris, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it doesn't matter what your opinion is as to what these things are that people are experiencing. The fact of the matter is, if people are experiencing these things, we should put time into trying to learn about them. And I think that's uh, yeah, exactly. incredibly important. And that's, you know, one of the goals of this show is to educate people on these topics that it's actually real. These things actually happen to real people and uh, it's okay to talk about it. So, yeah. And, uh, that's, that's very, your podcast is, uh, your show and, you know, the other shows that are out there are, they're becoming more and more of a, uh, of a source of like reference for people. And I, I think that, um, you know, you should keep going with what you're doing. Cause I think more and more people are going to come forward and start talking about their thing. It was, it was kind of, it was tricky for me to come and talk about this stuff. Cause I've never really talked about a lot of it before, but um, after listening to a lot of different people talk about their experiences, I felt, uh, you know, I should share mine as well. Yeah, and I really appreciate it, man. Chris, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all pretty much your life experience with these kind of things. Uh, on the way out of here, is there any kind of words of advice or anything you'd like to share with the audience before we get out? Uh, just to, you know, pay attention to everything. And even though you think things might be crazy or they're really, they're really not. And there's a lot of other people out there that have probably shared the same experiences that you've had. And it, it, it really helps talking about them. And, uh, I think the more people talk about them, well, it'll make you feel better, but it'll also, uh, you'll learn more about everything um all that all of the weird and strange things that are out there that we consider weird and strange may not be as weird and strange as you may think and i think there's a lot of other people out there that have that have shared or that have experienced the same thing so um please talk about it i i think it's a good thing yeah absolutely well chris i really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, i look forward to getting this show up to the audience uh, thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Tony. You got it, man. I'll talk to you later. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. And I hope you gained something from it. You know, my favorite part about it was when Chris was talking about the gray in his bedroom. I mean, absolutely not. No way. No how. I wouldn't be sleeping for months. And when I did sleep, my wife would have to be awake. And when she's sleeping, I'd have to be awake. We'd be on sleep schedules for the rest of our lives. So Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing what you know. Everybody, please go to Facebook and Twitter and just give us a like and a follow. You know, that really helps a lot. You guys are doing a great job sharing the show on social media. Keep up the great work. And you can actually find me personally on Twitter and Instagram as well. That is Tony underscore Merkel. That's where you can find me, Tony underscore Merkel. I hope to see you there. But until then, take care. Yeah, this one right here goes out to all the babies, mamas, mamas. 
Mamas, mamas. <laughs> Baby mamas, mamas. Yeah, go like this.